0: The following is a presentation of Stude Productions. Hi, I'm Brock.
1: And I'm Aaron. You're watching and listening to Interbrews. This is Interbrews.
2: Take me fool, I'll be like, hi everybody. My name is Josh, host of Interbrews, as you have come to realize by now, I hope. Um, and we are at St. Arnold Brewing Company, and just now, from heaven, the <laughs> Slow Pour H-Town Pills. Look at that.
0: I'm, cl- like I'm claiming that uh, it's just a prop. I'm not actually having a beer in the middle of the no, day.
2: No, no, no. Hasway uh, serving us today. Uh, Mike, find a spot where it won't make everything blow up for your beer, but where you can reach it. I think we've set up a nice obstacle course for Hossway there. Uh, Brock, kudos. Your entire staff has been just uh, top-notch since the moment I pulled onto the property. Oh, thank you. They've well, been, we uh, have a really good team. They strive for excellence. I, that's kind of a if – you, if you're on LinkedIn too much, you see that posted all the time. But truly, excellence from everybody I've encountered here today.
0: Well, I, l- I like to say that uh, we have an amazing team, and I just take credit for all their hard work. But that's actually what makes St. Arnold what it is.
2: You're like the... Well, wait. Okay, so... Are you like the Dusty Baker? Or you're more like the uh, Jim Crane of St. Arnold? I don't know either way.
0: I have to... I'll need to drink a little more <laughs> beer before I can come up with that answer.
2: <laughs> Aaron Incroft is... Uh, you're kind of the Dusty Baker now, right? Is that what that means? Well...
1: I mean, I. I haven't brewed a physical batch of beer in a while,
0: so... I
2: don't right. hit baseballs or
0: right. catch them. Not much
2: like Dusty Baker. Correct. He's just there to do the things, right? Make the calls.
0: It, it's sort of like being head of baseball activities as opposed to head of, head of all the operations. It, right. It's the uh, it's definitely baseball activities.
2: Yes. So, anyway, to bring everybody up to speed, Aaron Eccard is now brewmaster. Brew, yeah. Yes. Brewmaster. That's a thing, right? Yes, yes, sir. I didn't get that wrong. No, <laughs> you <laughs> right. You're Has it not sunk in yet? Like all of that (laughs)
1: uh i i mean it's it's a really cool feeling and it's nice to hear from the public and all my friends and 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 you know being you know congratulating and that's it oh it it feels really good yeah uh, i was telling brock dopamine is a is a real thing and it feels really good yeah um (laughs) yeah
0: and after a lot of hard work it's you know really well deserved i've actually gotten a lot of Positive feedback about it as well.
2: That's well, Pe- a good call. People say, "Hey,
0: man, Aaron's the best." Yeah, that, that's great. So
2: that was my sentiment. That's what I, I was like, I would type all that out, but I'll just do the thumbs up. But that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, that's a great call.
1: No, it, it no, it feels it feels great. Yeah.
2: So, Brumat, you're you're the second only person here to ever have that title, correct? The other, actually, he's the first. I never used that title. You never had it. <laughs> you, well, it was I, never. I mean, technically speaking, it was never on a placard or anything.
0: Right. I always, when people would ask about it, I would say that, you know, if somebody had that title, it would have been me. Mm -hmm. But uh, I never used the title per se. So, Aaron is our first brewmaster. Well, there you go. Wow. Titularly, (laughs) I just wanted to say that. (laughs) I'm not
2: even sure what that means, but I agree. (laughs) I think that's the, that is the titulars. I don't know how that.
1: I mean, historically, the the term, I mean, dates back to Braumeister, so German, and so people actually go to school, and it's it's a you know a diploma based uh, uh, title. But I think in, in the United States, I mean, I to me it has a, a certain allure that if, if if you call yourself a brewmaster and you just opened up a brewery and you haven't brewed a professional or a large scale batch right. ever, and you take that title, I think. I don't know, it, it means a little bit more to that than, I, I don't know. It, I right. th- and to me, it, I remember hearing the term used by other, other brewers that, mm. are you a master of, how can you be a master of something? And then, I think it means a variety of things, but out, I think outwardly it means a lot. And uh,
2: um, you, know, you went under, I went over. <laughs> that is, um, is a fantastic beer, by the way, sorry. Oh yeah. Still it's distracting a distracting beer
1: it's it's a it's a great beer um oh, we'll get to that in a second <laughs> Don't know, um but yeah it's a it I, it's it feels great and i i'm happy to uh you know represent saint arnold for you know being that and yeah. but like i mean like you were commenting on the team here at the garden and i'm not i mean I'm nothing without my team and, and that not, not just the brew team, but you know, everyone else and all the departments that we can't do any of this without any of them. So yeah. uh,
2: it's, it's a, it's a big operation here from just even just on property. And when you, you're not even talking about all the beer out, out being distributed and in communities and your, your, uh, logo like at, at Minute Maid Park and places like that, where, you know, that's de facto, that's representing you there and everything that happens around that. Um, it's just remarkable when you think about where Saint Arnold has been—the journey from over on 290 over to here and where we are now—and to get through the last last couple of years, year and a half or so. Uh, there we go. Oh,
1: it's,
2: it's got. I like these glasses on the dimpled dimpled glasses. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Prost. It is. Uh, I buy a lot of H Town pills.
1: I drink a lot. Drink of h town. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um,
2: it's really good.
1: So, the the dimple glasses are historic to the you know Czech Republic, and mm-hmm. that's putting that slow pour was purely a self for selfish reasons. Yeah, um, and there's a few breweries here in town that that have it, but the main brewery in uh, Denver Beer Stop they were the first brewery in the United States to kind of resurrect the lucre slow pour faucet, and then um, and it all dates back to. Czech Republic, how they control their, uh, the poor. Yeah, yeah, it's. All it's, right. Well,
2: break down the mechanics of a okay. slow pour. So let's you, nerd out.
1: Most, oh, pretty much all beer faucets are binary. It's either on or off. Mm. Um, and the Luker faucet, that's the brand L-U-K-R. Um, there's two flow, there's two flow controls. There's a plunger valve that runs through the, it's called the shaft of the faucet. Um, and that can control the overall beer flow, beer speed. Um, and then there's the wooden handle, um, and that's, it's a ball valve, and you can actually control if it's going to be foam, a mixture of beer and foam, or all beer. Mm. Um, and then the secret is there's a very fine micro, uh, micro like, mesh filter, mm-hmm. and what it does, it, it does knock out some of the carbonation, but by doing so, it's creating a tighter uh, tighter head, Yeah, and so it's more pillowy. Yes. And... So you're getting the sensation of softer carbonation, off, obviously, but you're getting this much more focused malt flavor. Mm. So I get, like, if you were to do this side-by-side side with the regular tap, mm. I get so much more, like, honey and like yeah. biscuit out of the malt. The hops are a little bit more integrated into the beer, whereas when it's on the other, other tap, the hops seem brighter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, these are they are just so easy to... I just really like how the malt stands out with with the uh, with the lucre faucet it's
2: it's definitely a different experience overall and I'm, I'm a sucker for experience like just the the ritual and the grandiose like approach to it it's worth the trouble mm-hmm. totally worth like it's not trouble it, but it's like it, it it takes more effort but it's totally worth it yep. like,
0: yeah beer is an experience I mean it is a social beverage it brings people together. There's ceremony around it. I think all of these things are part of why we love beer. And, you know, we like celebrating the history and the culture that surrounds it. You know, it's not just being innovative and moving forward, which we do a lot of that, but it's also looking back and what got all of us here. Yeah. And, you know, what are the the brewers who were brewing 300 years ago? What were they doing?
2: Yeah, it's... um. Well, I mean, just that's the thing. Like with beer, it's like you change the faucet on a a traditional style, right? And it completely changes the experience around the beer. And that's just one. It's a faucet, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, that's super cool. I just think that's super cool. I, I think it's really cool
1: just because of the beer itself. It's 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 a single malt, and there's two different hops. And when you just change the faucet, it takes it changes the beer completely. So it's it's fun to like play with
2: variables just to
1: enhance the experience and, and just take take the consumer on you know different paths
2: so what a what a logger is it like the slow pour is more tailored to like a logger? or could you put amber ale on it and experience some of the same variables and things like that pop out
1: so that's a, I mean i i think that's a great question and, and it's i think if you were to put amber or even like Alyssa or art car it, it i think I think what's great about the standard binary faucet is that it, I mean, that's what's traditionally used all over the country. So not everybody's going to transition to a faucet one because it's like $300 <laughs> or something like right. that. But um, it, I would be afraid to put art car on this because it's an IPA. You want those hops to be bright. Mm. And this kind of allows, you know, malt to sh- shine a little bit more. And, and I, again, it creates a cohesive thing. I think you can design beers around the way it's going to be poured mm. i mean take guinness is a prime example and nitro yeah. is i mean remember when a nitro ipas were a thing several years ago and yeah. i was like why <laughs> it subdues the hops right it, it um and you really want those hops to be bright i mean mm. is it a good beer it is an okay beer but i would much rather it be you know carbonated yeah. with, with co2 instead of nitrogen it's
2: the fine. the binary tap and just and when you buy this packaged like in the cans that's like the recorded version of the song. Uh-huh. And then you can come here and, like, y'all, y'all play it every night. So if you go to see in concert, this is the, the spin you put on it tonight. Or, you know, today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a good way of thinking about it. The, you know, and I think we got inspired to serve it this way. You know, there's certainly Bierstadt and Denver. But it also, every year, well, when there's not a global pandemic... <laughs> And we go to do our hop selection in Europe, and mm-hmm. go to Germany, and then the Czech Republic. And it's been a tradition for us to stop at the Pilsner Urquell Brewery, and then afterwards to go to the pub that Aaron always remembers the name of. NARPA you. And <coughs> we get unfiltered, unpasteurized Pilsner Urquell, And it is served in the dimple mug. Uh, you can ask for the type of pour. Mm. Uh, like how much head you want you can get kind of more of a just a straight regular pour you can get the slow pour like this you can get the milk pour which is like milk it's like straight foam yeah um so but that beer the the experience of the unpasteurized unfiltered pilsner okel i think that is the basis that was our inspiration for making H Town pills to begin with, and it, it, it's been a process. It's been several iterations as we've gotten here, but then adding the faucet is kind of the uh, the cherry on top. Yeah,
2: it's this alone. I mean, not this is like make a trip just for this, you know. And uh, sorry, I, my my wife's pregnant too. I I just noticed pregnant. It's, it makes me a little nervous. Baby's coming in, in March. <laughs> so
0: You'll be fine. There's it, a little instruction book that pops out with the baby.
2: Well, it probably changed. My oldest is 15, and the twins are going to be 13, and then I'm going to have a baby. Ooh. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry. That, sorry. No, that's, that's excellent. That's that, great. It, no, it's exciting. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> what you said. <laughs> the first one is like, uh, oh, it kind of hits me in I waves.
1: Had, I had bought my first house right before. Right when my first kid was being born, and I was blown away about how many, how little I had to sign to take my kid home from the hospital, uh, and the amount of <laughs> documents
2: I had to sign when I was buying a house. I was yeah. like, they just give you it. Yeah. The kid. <laughs> the, kid. the kid. They just put you <laughs> in the car, and they send you home. Good Vanessa. luck. <laughs> and they're like, we, my lunch break's in 10 minutes. You got to go, or whatever, right? It's... Yeah, that's terrifying. And it's been a long time since we've been through that part. I don't know if I'm going to be able to survive not getting any sleep. We'll see.
0: Don't uh, worry. I'm sure the older you, you are, the easier it is to go with the, without sleep, right? I, I'm sure.
1: You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You've done it before.
2: Yeah. Right. You'll be great. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I had that moment of nervousness. But what you got, being here with you guys, I'm feeling a lot better now. Thanks. Thanks.
0: That's the H town. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Two more of these, please. <laughs> we got French press on tap. Mm. I was going to say I almost brought up the French press on coffee as like a you know your different methods of preparing coffee with compared and contrasted with the different taps.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, like you have um, you know Chemex, like a pour over or mm-hmm. an espresso, or the um, what do they call the um,
2: the plunger with the f- that's French press, right?
1: Well, yeah, they, that's French press, but they have another small, like a smaller unit. I can't remember what it's called now, but it makes like a single service though. Oh,
2: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. The silver, like the yeah. s- silver thing. I don't.
1: We make French press similar to the cold brew method. So it's literally cold brewing on the beer. Mm-hmm. So, like, you would make a cold brew by mixing water and very fine um, coffee grinds and mm-hmm. let it sit for 18 some odd hours, and then you would remove the beans. So that's essentially how we make French press. We make a, a cold brew. Um, do
2: you have like a, a giant, cold brew beer what do you have a giant french press like the size of one of your fermenters that now we use the centrifuge for that oh, okay i was gonna say maybe i get like <laughs> four people up and just start <laughs> jumping up and down on this huge plunger that sounds fun though
1: it sounds yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh french press available now in other variations as well barrel-aged variations uh out cognac there. and bourbon yeah mm. that's good stuff yeah there's no end of variation on beer like there's no, there's maybe there's an end, but we'll never reach it. Right. I mean, I hope not. Yeah. I mean, when you think about how you, oh, now we got, see, oh. speaking of variations, what happened? Oh. Did magic. you order that? I didn't. Did yeah. you order that? No, I didn't order that. It just magically appeared. I mean, I got Brock, did you do that? Did you have like,
0: oh, I was like oh. <laughs> we were going to enjoy it, but <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I was like, how did y'all do that?
1: That was the East India Trading Company flight, by the way.
2: Oh. So what goes into the East India Trading, East India Trading Company? All flight. the
1: different IPAs.
2: All the IPAs. Yeah. Okay. So Alyssa, Mark yeah. Carr, and Juicy. Juicy and. Um, is it
1: Double Down that's in there, or is it we put Harmony? I don't even. I don't.
0: Probably I Double Down and Harmony. Yeah. It's five.
2: It's five IPAs. Yeah. Okay. So Harmony,
0: which we, we call a hazy pale ale, but it's most people would actually probably call it a hazy IPA.
2: So where's the line between pale ale and IPA? Is it is it just a spectrum that one flows right into the other, or is there a? Would you? I think IPA has
1: superseded what it actually stands for.
0: Okay. <laughs> I I agree <laughs> with that. To me, uh, like pale ales, like when I think of a pale ale, I, I'm going to show my age, but I think of Sierra Nevada pale ale. Yeah. Uh, our amber ale is in my mind actually a pale ale Mm. um i went i called it amber 27 years ago because in houston nobody knew what the hell a pale ale was and and uh actually brew pubs at the time were coming out with some beers that they were calling pale ales that were really pale Mm. as opposed to the name originally came from they were pale ales compared to the porters and stouts that were being brewed Mm. not not compared to light loggers um but you know things morph and i think that's actually okay i mean sometimes people get stuck on thinking of things as as if there was a snapshot in time and that's what everything looked like and should always look like Mm. everything changes language changes beers change beer styles change they evolve and I think that's one of the things that keeps everything so exciting. Yeah. It's still fun to look back at, at the history of styles and, and where they came from, but w- we have never gotten hung up on brewing to style. Mm-hmm. To me that is incredibly limiting.
2: Well, I was going to say, I like, like when Oktoberfest comes out. I get to have that conversation with everybody. Well, what's an Oktoberfest? Like, well, <laughs> so you ask, when this beer came out, and it's like on to the, you know, off to the races on that story about it. It's actually an ale, and then they had the da-da-da. And it's like I get to tell that whole story. Back when Brock first opened you know, with all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I like having that conversation. One, I love to hear myself talk. But two, <laughs> uh, I like to talk about beer and educate people. like, you know, hey. I, I think what
1: it's just important if people enjoy it and have a good time. Yep. That's arguably that's the only thing that's really important. Right.
0: Do you like it? Do you, you like it? <laughs> yes. And and I mean you can you can even you know dive deeper into the Oktoberfest discussion because if you go to, to Munich and go to Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. you're not going to get served uh you know märzens. Everybody's
1: you're, drinking helles. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> helles and and this the special Oktoberfest beers which aren't Oktoberfest Beers, they're mm-hmm. beers that are brewed for Oktoberfest. But anyway, it, it, this all gets very confusing. But they're very light. They're light colored lagers, maybe slightly stronger than, than your regular health But um, they have nothing to do with Märzens. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, oh my God, I can't <laughs> imagine drinking liters no. of Märzen. <laughs> no.
2: I may have tried it once. I had I got one of those the leader mug and I'm like I'm going to fill this up with. I think it was your Oktoberfest. I was like, ah, this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> this was. I did p- a
1: liter GutenTag or half liter, I guess, because we only we only have half liters here. But I mean, it's our GutenTag is a, an actual traditional Meritzen. yeah. Um, and it's it's nice toasty beer, but if you're drinking liters of things, it should be either Fest beer, or, yeah,
2: or uh, Hellas, yeah. Agreed. Yeah I I've
0: also done scientific studies <laughs> drinking out of half liters and liters uh, and I have determined that you get drunker drinking liters instead of half liters.
2: Okay.
1: Like
0: one Even to
2: one. Even if you
1: drink the same volume?
0: Even if you drink the same volume? Really? Partially because I think you actually don't drink the same volume. Okay. But you will drink a liter in in the, if you have half liters it will take you longer to drink two half liters than if you have one liter. You know, you get down to okay. kind of that that three quarter point w- through the through the mug and it's starting to get warm and yeah. you're ready. You feel like you should be having another one, so you drink the
2: last part really quickly <laughs> yeah. and then you okay. get the next
0: one and next thing you know you're drunk.
2: Yeah, no, that's true. I I would say yeah, that's if I were gonna put a bet on that. But I think the experiment should we should probably get some scientists to yeah. You know, do that. Yeah.
0: And, and we all have to go to Hofbrauhaus because they only serve liters there. Most of the other German beer gardens in, in Munich, you can get half liters. But Hofbrau, it's like, no. go big or go
2: home.
1: Only liters. Yeah.
2: Huh. Is, is that? And they've done that for what, 200 years or something? Oh, pro- probably longer. What was? When was the first liter mug crafted?
0: That's a nice historical somebody question. There.
2: Somebody just had a bucket and they're like, this is the size we're going with. That's all we got.
0: You better better get a bucket. <laughs> oh, that's sorry. Different illusion.
2: Sorry. <laughs> um, speaking of your trips abroad, uh when is the last time you got to take one for hot rubbing and picking and
1: We went to Yakima this year in mm-hmm. Washington. So it's like a different country. <laughs> no, we have not been overseas in three about four years, I think. Okay. Three or four years. Is
2: that do you see it on the horizon happening well, again? Hopefully. Maybe. Is it just too...
1: We... I, I don't know. I mean, we're ready. I mean, we had some inventory of of, of, of hops of it, um, that we went through, but we're ready to select. And it, But things are so strange right now. It, yeah. I don't know. Germany's going through a, a major uh, um, outbreak again, and they're, I just talked to a counterpart over there, and he said that they're considering going into lockdown again. Um, yeah. So if they cancel Oktoberfest for a third time, I can only imagine like it. And this year, uh, 2022 is supposed to be drink tech. That's like the largest beverage industry um, uh, conference in the world. And mm-hmm. it's held every four years. And it's always held in Munich during hop harvest. And which is also Oktoberfest season. Right. So it's, if drink tech doesn't happen, then
2: yeah, that's, well, Part of me is like, oh, that doesn't bode well for the future. But they made it through two world wars and all the things that happened, all the war crazy – even in Munich wars, right? Like, they did all that, like, way back in the day. They survived all that, and they're still yeah. making beer over there.
0: Yeah. Oh. I think, you know, companies adapt. Yeah. We – as organisms, corporations are highly adaptive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think going into – all sorts of different crises. People go, "Oh my god, it's going to be the the death of everything." Um, and then, you know, shockingly, instead of ninety percent of the breweries closing, two percent close. And when you hear the ones that did close, they're typically ones that you're like, "Oh, I'm not surprised." Or often, it's like I hadn't actually heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, chances are they might have actually closed anyway. So I, I think it just proves that, you know, we, we did the same thing. I mean, we pivoted, you know, m- middle, of, middle of March 2020. We didn't know what the hell was going on. And, and uh, you know, we quickly rearranged all the deck chairs um, mm-hmm. and came up with new strategies and focused on, you know, beer to go from the brewery which was something that had recently been legalized, but was not going to be a focus of ours, honestly, Mm -hmm. but it helped also for our food to go. Um, you know, since we're, we're much more of a destination in our location than we are kind of a neighborhood joint. Um, and you know, a lot of the innovations that Aaron was working on, the, beers that were going to go to market you know those became special releases just at the brewery um yeah we came up with you know zoom beer and cheese tastings which were incredibly popular Be- dumplings yep <laughs> like and honestly some of those things i think are going to stick around yeah because like i like doing a beer and cheese tasting because at the end of it yeah i'm, I'm pretty happy yeah at, you know putting quotation marks around happy yeah and uh you know stumble into the next room with you know the the bourbon barrel aged commitment that we were finishing with and mm-hmm. put some vinyl on and listen to that And i'm just you know
2: no, no driving involved yeah it's great yeah there are there are some things that are definitely sticking around through all of this there's a, a lot of that has changed uh and it's, it's interesting to see, like, the number of breweries that actually opened during all of this, right? I mean, that's a wild thing to think about. Like, you opened during this? Okay. I yeah. mean, it's just it's interesting to see, like, look, when you talk about DNA of a, of a brewery, like, your DNA is going to be altered compared to, you know, it's going to definitely be, you've mutated to something else.
0: But it, it, it is, and, you know, I think... Yeah, you know, some some have beaten the odds and and done well, especially if they had a good outdoor area. Yeah. I think ones some were focused with a more indoor space and you know, they'd obviously designed it pre-pandemic. Yeah, and they've struggled, mm-hmm. and you know I think there's some other weird supply chain issues. Yeah, you know, the biggest one, you know, the one that's probably gotten the most press and for good reason is is aluminum and cans. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, that has become the, you know, the preferred vessel of craft brewing which that's a whole other discussion
2: <laughs> we can get into that if you want but
0: um, <laughs> you know we've all been dealing with the can manufacturers saying they're not going to give us enough cans now they've c- recently came out and said you have to order seven truckloads at a time and just to give you a feeling you know we have well, i think 12 year-round brands we have three brands that really that w- that seven truckloads works, mm-hmm. and you know we do about sixty thousand barrels of beer. If you're a eight thousand barrel brewery, yeah. you don't have any brands that that works on. Yeah. And then, and then Ball also announced that they were like you know putting about a fifty percent price increase on cans a couple of weeks ago. And you did hear that correctly, by the way. Fifty.
2: Fifty five 50. zero. Yes. What. Is it just supply chain? Like, where I thought aluminum was everywhere, I thought like it was all recycled from everything we, we use it for everything. Like, I don't
1: recycle is a loose
2: term, right? Okay, <laughs> I don't know the whole thing. I, I don't know enough about things. That's, I can I can confidently say I'm completely ignorant about all of that, but I see it and I'm like, That's just, that doesn't sound good.
0: Oh, but also don't forget that there was a really bad barley crop last last year. Yeah. And prices, the yield is is way down. Quality is way down. So we're going to have to pay a lot more, and you know and make sure that we can get enough of a high beta glucan, high protein
2: uh, malt. Where was the where was it hit hardest? Is that American grown or is that uh, all
1: across? So most of the barley is grown in the northern in northern part of North America, right. so right between Canada and Minnesota, Montana area, and there was a major drought and. Compa- like comparing it to uh, last year or two years ago, and barley crop for this year is down about almost forty really? percent.
2: Um, yeah,
1: and then there's this. Hu- I had I, it's right on the top of my head because I had the meeting a couple of days ago. But there's a huge trade war between Australia and China. Apparently, it's going to be going on for like over five years. And <laughs> <laughs> the, and China used to buy a bunch of barley from Australia, uh-huh. but now. Not s- Australia's not selling it to China, so now they're going into Europe and Canada. All the barley grown in the United States is only sold in the United States. It's not exported. So I didn't know that fact, actually. Yeah, um, But, uh, yeah, it's strange, strange times. Strange times became stranger.
2: Yeah. It's like, the, yeah, the hits just keep on coming, right?
0: Here, here's another fun little thing I, I learned a few years ago is okay. that okay. most of the barley grown in Canada for brewing mm-hmm. is grown by Mennonites.
2: Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. So that is an interesting tidbit. Yeah, I think I'm going to cut that out and post that somewhere. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, I had no idea. Men- Mennonites? No, it's the it's the Amish that make like the uh, the, f- the fireplaces, right? Like the electric fireplaces that you see on late night. Oh, they're n- they're, they're no electric. They don't they don't use electricity. Somebody built. Well, okay, but somebody makes them. Some, maybe it's Mennonites. They make like the. Little fireplace, like electric plug-in fireplaces.
0: Yeah, I was I was doing college visits with my son and w- went to uh, Lancaster. It's not Lancaster; it's Lancaster County. Uh-huh. To uh, I think we were visiting Franklin and Marshall, and uh, it's in the middle of Amish country. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious when you see those buggies on the road. Uh-huh. They are flying. <laughs> they are moving down the road. It's like. Wow uh, You 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 sort of think of them as kind of like Moving along 10 miles an hour Nope no. <laughs> They're, they, they probably need speed limits Really? They're very <laughs> impressive
2: What do they feed those horses? I don't know Not barley, it's too expensive price of <laughs> fuel has gone way up <laughs> Look at this A gallon, what do you feed? Like a bushel? I guess by the bushel Like you wheel in and get a bushel for your horse mm. I don't know They eat oats, right? Oats.
0: Mares eat oats and eat oats. Little lambs eat ivy. Horses eat grass.
2: Yes. Grass and hay. No. No oats?
1: I don't I don't think so.
2: No? I don't know. Okay. They could probably eat some oats. They could probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> or some apples? <laughs> they eat apples. Okay. I've fed an, a- an apple. They put
0: a bag of oats on a horse. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. I feel
2: they like eat peppermints.
1: Dude. I was I was at Lou I was in Louisville a few weeks ago oh. and they pronounce it Louis, Louisville. 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 Um and something they brag about at the Kentucky Derby and all the thoroughbreds that are bred in Kentucky is that it's the Kentucky bluegrass because mm-hmm. it builds strong calcium in, their, in the horse's bones and everything. And uh, and that's that's what I was like. So they only eat the grass. And I was like, Well, in Kentucky, they only eat the grass. No, I was like, Oh, so okay. No. And peppermints. And peppermints. So we went to the Kentucky Derby to watch some races, and they were handing us peppermints like while while we were walking in. And we we're like, What is? my breath smell bad <laughs> and I like oh no they're for the horses and I'm like okay so we go down to the right on right right on not, not on the actual course but just right up the, uh, the barrier and the horses will walk they, they, it's like they know they know that they're going to get a peppermint after yeah. they ride because they just walk right up there and then people holding it out they go you can see them kind of hustle uh-huh. get their peppermint oh yeah they love is it is it one of like
2: the crunchy kinds or those kinds that oh. kind of powder away and no
1: the, like the standard you know circular like my grandmother had her di-
0: the dish on her yeah th- those table
2: well, they want to have good breath before they go back into the stable. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. You don't want to go all post-race mouth. <laughs> that's just that's awful. Ugh, dude, try a mint. Did you get a mint julep while you were there? Um, several. Okay. They
1: Did had y- commemorative cups, and it was only $10 because they know you're gambling. Yes. Okay. So. And they were doubles, so $10 for a double. Did over. it have
2: the actual mint where the leaves hit your nose as you...
1: It did. It did hit my nose, yes. They, they do it right. Oh, it, it was great. <laughs>
2: yeah. well, if you were going to do a mint julep-style beer, okay. what would be the base style? You want to play this game? Yeah, let's do this.
1: Well, you need a bourbon
2: barrel. Okay. You need
1: mint. Yes. Um, so the idea is, I think what's great about the mint julep itself is that it's a very quaffable beer, cause, or beer, cocktail, mm-hmm. So because it puts it in those... Those uh, like sonic ice. Yeah. Like crunchy ice. So I don't know. I think part of me feels like you would do a, a lower alcohol beer. I think I would do a lower alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't age it very long in the barrel because you don't want intense bourbon. Yeah, you just want Because there's a fair amount of simple surf with it. Yeah. So a pale beer, not bitter. You want, I think, just like a minty hop. So like Liberty or uh, um, Golding's maybe but just to kind of get that mint and then actually maybe actually use mint
0: yeah I, probably use mint there there was a we we got some samples of experimental hops a few years ago mm-hmm. and uh I remember this was i think steven said it i have a memory of him setting up this test um and we went out and we tasted all the beers and there was one experimental hop that tasted like mint it was bizarre it's like somebody had put mint in the beer that and that hop apparently went away so i guess <laughs> nobody actually wanted mint in their beer hmm. but uh I, I don't see why you wouldn't use you know why mint wouldn't work as a yeah, as I a dry be, hop kind of thing i was gonna yeah.
2: say when do you add the
1: i probably add the mint post barrel aging because you want it to be bright and Yeah. you want it in your
2: nose right you know? exactly yeah. that's why they put the so it tickles here. Yeah. You have to
0: jump on it first to bruise the bale before you put it into the... <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a lot
0: of slapping going
2: on. Yeah.
1: No, that's that's the sound that's of a probably beer. what I would do for a mint julep beer. Okay. I don't
2: think you want it to be heavy. No. No. Well, that's... When is Kentucky Derby? March? No. Uh,
0: m- May. Mart? May?
2: It's in May. May. Okay. Yeah, it's hot here then, by
0: then. It's like one of the first w- first weekends in May.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Because we always do like... We have some family members we try to get together for like a Mardi Gras party or something. But if we can't make it work, then usually it's like a Kentucky Derby party themed parties. Either we make them, the kids make a mask or a hat at oh, the party. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's fun. And kids like that. Yeah.
2: And then we make like Kentucky Hot Browns and mint juleps, and that's the party. Unless it's Mardi Gras, and then it's a different menu, but you know what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> I, I, I would actually go a different way than Aaron on this one. I, I would actually make a heavier beer. Um, malty, okay. uh, but no hops, very low hops, and, and uh, barrel age it and then finish with a, with a dry minting.
2: Dry, dry minting. minting. Do you use what type of mint? Is it, is it like
0: a. Uh, oh, there are a bunch, but yeah. I, I cannot speak to <laughs> mint varieties
2: well. Okay.
1: Going back to Yakima, 90% of the world's mint is grown in
2: Yakima. Really? Yeah. I've learned so much so far on this show. I don't know how much longer this episode has, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just something I found out going on
1: a crop tour when we were up there in Concord grapes. Mo- majority of all your jam and jellies, From Concord is Concord grapes, and that's where they're grown because it's in Yakima? Too, yeah, because they're Not too in Connecticut.
2: Yeah, isn't that where Concord is? No, well,
1: but is Concord that? grapes are grown majority up there, up no. in up in Yakima. Okay, because they have you have to add a whole bunch of sugar because they're such acidic uh, yeah. grapes. No one wants to make wine with them. That makes
0: y- sense. Yeah, Yakima, for people who don't know, is essentially desert. Yeah. Um, but it is fed from the runoff from the Cascades. So it's mm. on the east side of the Cascades, like the west side of the Cascades, Seattle. Mm. Um, you know, all along the coast, you know, super moist, wet. You go across the Cascades, it's arid, dry. There's mm. some beautiful landscape land over there. It, it's some sort of moonscape areas that you drive through depending which way you're going but uh, it is all irrigation uh, watered which you know and in, in you get intense, you know long days intense sun yeah. um, as opposed to europe where it's almost exclusively rainwater mm. uh, and there's not irrigation the day it's cooler during the day and that's part of the reason if you plant the exact same i'm actually trying to bring this back to to brewing yeah that's good but uh the uh that's why the the same variety grown in yakima and grown in in the holotau will taste completely different
1: yeah they try to i mean amarillo they there's there's holotauer amarillo so holotauer is a part of growing region in germany and Mm -hmm. Vastly different. Like it's, I mean, you could probably use it. It's similar to Cabernet, like growing, you know, Tawar for grapes and, yeah. and whatnot.
2: So it's just, depends on where you plant it. It'll be very different. Hmm. So it's not just, you know, like when you hear Tawar, you think the dirt, right? Mm-hmm. But, the, but the dirt got that way because, you know, it's desert region versus rain fed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's over centuries became this thing. That's wild to think about. Like every beer you try, you try trying this evolution history thing, like it's like a thousands and thousands of years brought this to where it is
1: yes yep, it's fun to think about it is fun to think
0: about yeah, I mean beer styles developed in specific regions because of ingredients that they had, and it could be the the, you know, the barley that they grew, the hops that they grew, the water that they had, the, you know all these things. Kind of came together to, you know, people. I'm sure people brewed a whole lot of different things, but one worked. Yeah. You know, Burton and Trent. Yeah. You know, they could make hoppy beers, and so IPAs came from Burton on Trent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You look at the, the regions of Germany, you know, Goza and Hefeweizen. All those, right? That they're, they're specific to certain regions, and
1: uh, yeah, stouts out of you know Northern England and Ireland, and because. If you were to put a lot of roasted barley in, in you know, a lot of German, German brewing country, mm-hmm. it was it would just taste completely off just because of the water. Yeah, the styles were exactly as Brock said; they were country specific because of the, the ingredients available.
2: Yeah, I was kind of uh, I was telling somebody about like when you go drink Kolsch, right? Like I've never done it, but this is, I've read about it, right? I read the book, and uh, this is how they do it: and the glass and the thing, and they bring out and the people are. Whatever, they're they're like uh the Colch guys. They're uh they're like uh uh you know like they don't work for the actual bar. They're like independent contractors or something. From what I understand.
0: I didn't know that. I didn't either. Th- like the servers? Yeah.
2: Huh. Yeah, they're they're like I'm gonna go work at this place this weekend and then when I'm I'm a Kolch steward or whatever they are, huh. you know with their their tray and yeah. everything. And the Stong is stong, stong whatever it's called. Okay? Stonge. Yeah. 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 That's it. But uh I was like, yeah, they just go. It's just like Coles. You don't have to order. It. You just say, yeah, you know, it's like uh, eating at Fogo Chow. Like, keep bringing it right until you flip <laughs> that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, I wish we had something like that here. Hey, Kate, how's it going? Oh, she's got a beer. Great. Um, Kate and Mike get married soon, very soon. Well, Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. January? Uh, January? January. Yeah. It's getting close. It's um, coming. Yeah. So, all kinds of fun things. And you can hear people in the background as you're watching this uh, laughing and making merry. This is the time of year we make merry. Mm-hmm.
0: I see Santa, Santa hats.
2: Yeah, Santa hats and people with lights on their shirts and things like that. And any time of year is a great year to come to St. Arnold and make merry. But, uh, you know, come on out. Bring your whole family. They've got plenty of room. You can make reservations. You get one of these chapels. There's the plug. I, Thank ho- you. I fully endorse people coming here and having fun. It's fantastic.
0: We so, do. We have a good team. It, it, w- one of the things that I th- think says a lot about our team over here is there's a lot of OGs people who were here when we opened the beer garden mm-hmm. and you know, through the pandemic and everything. And, uh, it's a great culture. You know, one of the things that we, you know, when we opened the beer garden, it was a completely different business and, and running a restaurant is a black box to me. Like I always said that, you know, at the, on the brewery side, Yeah, I might be rusty at, at, at doing some of the things, but at some point I did something at least related to what everybody at the in the in the big brick building does. Um, But the beer garden—that's that is a different beast, and how a kitchen operates. Mm -hmm. Like they speak a different language. You know, I I love to cook at home. I I don't know how those people, yeah, how the team keeps straight the you know, five different things that they're cooking at the same time, yeah. and it you know, doesn 't get distracted and and uh, you know talk to each other in uh, almost their own language yeah um, but you know one of the things that we then struggled with is like, okay, how do we make it one culture not a hey, we have a beer garden team and we have a brick building brewery team mm-hmm. um, and especially during the pandemic, it was hard because one of our big cultural things we do here is have you know after work beers post shift beers and we couldn't do that Mm. um so we we've seen that coming back and i think we're getting better at making it making everybody integrated and feel like it is one company
2: yeah i i think breweries tap rooms big long tables full of people are going to be the catalyst to get society kind of back to normal i think we're all in this kind of weird i don't know we've been a lot of time alone a lot of time away from people kind of thing you know we've, we've gotten used to it you know everybody's used to wearing them wearing a mask or doing the social distancing or whatever and that's not normal we, and a lot of people don't remember I mean, there's some kids that probably have never like they have no other memory of it just being like that's not how life is we need to go be communal get around the table share beers and laughs and all that kind of stuff. And I think this is going to be like society therapy for sure.
0: I think it is human in interaction in person is critical. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So when the whole shutdown thing and work it from home it ha- first started happening and, you know, we had, you know, a lot of us who are primarily sort of office focused worked from home. Um, you know, our operational people didn't have that option. I mean, you can't make beer or package beer from home. So they came in and did an amazing job throughout. Um, but also a lot of people, like there was all sorts of like childcare issues and things that, that, you know, hit people that was completely unexpected. Um, yeah now that we're getting back together i think we see the value even for an introvert like me who is kind of like hey i actually don't mind sitting at home and and uh, not seeing people all day you start to realize that those interactions the shared experiences it's different when you do it in person than over a zoom call
2: yeah yeah there's there's a lot to it i mean you just like as much as we get annoyed by other people you need other people right that, that person in the office that you're like, oh, I just, I can't, I can't, I just, not today. You need that, though, to appreciate when they're not there, you know, and that sort of, but it's like.
0: Well, I, I find today that we, you know, and in the office, most of the people work from the office, um, but will still take a day or two of working from home. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, they actually find that it's all... That's actually a much more efficient way to work, to be in the office part of the time and then be at home part of the time, and you can just knock stuff out that's hard to do sometimes when you're getting interrupted at work. But I find that there are questions or interactions I want to have that I'll walk over, and if somebody is not there, if they're working from home today, I don't email them or call them, and so that interaction is... Missed out on yeah um, you know because it doesn't kind of rise to whatever level of hey I'm actually gonna the activation energy it doesn't cross cross that that level yeah. um so I do think that if people are constantly not together that there are a lot of interactions that will never happen, and I think that we all suffer for that, so
2: yeah, just. Like if we weren't here, would we have had that mint julep beer uh, conversation? I guess.
0: Well, if we were sitting at home on Zoom, and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could see us doing that. <laughs> okay, we, but we, we got adept at it. It's true. Yeah. That's true. But the question is, would the would we have even started having a conversation? Right. I think that's that becomes the issue. If you, um, you know, having a Zoom that takes hey. Do you want to have a Zoom? Somebody's going to schedule it, send around the invitations. That is a different level than me at the end of the afternoon walking over here seeing yeah, Aaron and a couple of the coworkers hanging out, having a beer, and I join in a conversation. That's the conversation that doesn't occur if we're all at home. Yeah. That's yeah, true. It's
1: so true. You miss out on the organic you know development of a conversation whereas you know when everybody was at home you had to create you had to not force it but you you had to put the effort into
2: yeah anyway. when you're the little distractions at home your cat walks by the kids are doing something like they got too quiet yeah. whatever it is all that keeps you out of that like really engaging in that conversation mm-hmm. and let, but when you're you know face to face sitting at the table or whatever it's like yeah. it's kind of like it's like jazz music you know I'm feeling what this now put it down now. No, no, no. It's a not more time. improv. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think, um, I think this environment. I don't know, you know, how it's quantifiable that yeah. this is doing therapy for everybody. I, it's a form of therapy, though.
1: I imagine ten years from now we'll be able to
2: quantify it. What it what it did? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe if people are paying attention. Well, we
0: we definitely know that uh, alcohol sales. For at-home consumption went way up. Yeah. Now total co- total alcohol sales did not go up. Mm-hmm. Th- there's I think there's a misconception about that. You know our there was a period where our uh, distributed our sales through grocery stores, liquor stores was up, you know, twenty five percent, which sounds great. But there was also a period that our on-premise sales to bars and restaurants went down 99.5%. Oh, wow. And I'm not ac- actually completely sure where the 0.5% <laughs> went. Right. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there was changes in habits, and, yeah, you know, certainly people were— uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, and, and especially since I think everybody already knows this. We were all sitting at home drinking.
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot more at the beginning. Uh-huh. A lot. like It got easy. A lot. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Yeah, it, it almost was like, how much can. I bought
1: several cocktail books and added a whole slew of liqueurs and different spirits because I missed going to cocktail
2: bars because I, I really liked doing that. Did you come across a cocktail that you were like, this has changed my life? This is great. I and mean, This is going to be in my.
1: There's probably several of them, but um, really enjoyed making. Well, didn't really get into Negronis until pandemic, and then now I really enjoy Negronis.
2: What's a Negroni?
1: It's gin, uh, sweet vermouth, and uh, Campari. Okay. What's Campari? Campari is an Italian herbal liqueur.
2: Okay. What's the flavor? What is it? Bitter. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's got a nice bitter. It's got some orange in it. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually... I, I've been a, a Negroni in an Americano, which is a Negroni without gin. That was actually the first form of it that I got introduced to, was the Americano. And, Not uh, to be
1: confused with coffee. Yeah,
0: right. and which is just Campari and sweet vermouth. Um, and the sweet vermouth kind of takes the edge off of the, the bitter. Um, but yeah, it's funny how that cocktail in particular just exploded. And it is a delicious cocktail. And I think it has... Something in in common with beer because of that bitter. It's got, you know, it's got the sweet and the bitter elements, um, you know, just like beer does.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. It's a good combination. Yeah, yeah. Somebody should do something with that. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have it like what's your what's the ratio like? One to one to one. That's the traditional method.
1: I do. I I change it up over time, but um, traditionally, a Negroni is all.
2: It's it's all equal parts. Is it in a sh- do you put in a shaker? Or is it like stirred? It stirred over it poured over ice? over ice. Is there a specific glass? Rocks style? glass. Rocks glass.
0: Yeah, I I typically like a little bit of uh, soda on top of it, yeah. and one one of my tricks is using a uh, like an orange seltzer, uh, you know, orange uh, Lacroix, okay. and uh, yeah. and using that to top it, top it, and you know, a little carbonation gives it a little life. Some people. A lot of times, people drink it still. Mm. To to me, traditionally, it it has a soda element. I feel like the pandemic Negroni, uh, people just
2: skipped the soda, yeah.
0: and just went straight
2: for the hard stuff. Well, that you said it's Italian, right? It's a like Italian soda was, has always been a. It's kind of where the I don't know is that where sodas came from? Italian? So I feel like that was. I mean, I know it was drugstores and stuff back in the day as well, but I don't know. You know I want to say yeah. I
0: think Italian sodas did in fact come from Italy Yeah,
2: no, yeah, that (laughs) Yeah Fact check that Mark that, Mike How's it going down there, Mike? Good? Hadn't really said a whole lot It's been a minute since you've been on the show I'm glad you're here Speaking of sitting at a table with friends It's been a while since I've gotten to hang out with Mike So, it's good Oh, you can't hear Oh, I didn't get your headphones That might be part of it, too Perhaps I'm sure he would have said some really smart stuff by now Anyway, um, you know, speaking of sparkling water and soda and other things other than beer, we hadn't even touched on your ciders and sparkling hard seltzers, things like that. That's a thing. It is. <laughs> it's hard, hard hitting questions here on, <laughs> on interviews. Um, I mean, how are how are the cider sales? How are cider? How's any. Thoughts on new ciders or innovations in cider, anything like that?
1: Cider still does pretty well. Um, we've got three mainstays right now, our dry cider um, and honey agave and then our just right. We launched our just right. Oh, I don't, I've lost track of time.
0: Yeah, the, I, I have no sense of I don't know the, where we are.
1: <laughs> but that was relatively recently. And the just right is a more traditional approach to making cider. Whereas the honey agave and dry cider use different methods of back sweetening that you would traditionally find in a cider. Yeah. Um, so the the original dry cider was the first one that we came out. We back sweetened it with Belgian candy syrup, um, which cider cideries don't. They typically just use you know apple, all apple products in some some way. Yeah. Um, honey agave back sweetened with honey and agave, um, and then the just right we use a we use a French. Uh, a French bitters- bittersweet um, apple to, to back sweet in that one, so that's more of the traditional. Now, y'all did um, some
0: like
2: wild ciders, right? We,
1: we've done, we've had some fun with some barrel aged ciders as well. Yeah, and,
2: um, they're, they're delicious too. It yeah. was
1: that's a fun project, and we we did a one wood barrel of that. We're doing some. We still have some upstairs. We're doing. We're doing a malolactic fermentation, and that usually produces a, a softer less aggressive acidity mm-hmm. um, than what you would typically find in a cider um,
2: and yeah so it yeah cider's fun yeah that's that, the wild side that's where I think it really starts to that was that was a fun project for sure yeah any, any more of that on the horizon
1: and there's a, there's a we refilled that barrel okay. so it's aging
2: cool the bugs are working the
1: bugs are working that's cool <laughs>
2: yeah I, that's to me that's just where I, that's what I imagine like old world ciders were yeah. Like that. I assume. Anyway, anything
1: that. Traditional cider like that and like malolactic based ciders, they just take time. It, yeah. it, they really do. How long in the barrel? Oh, uh, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but the wild cider was probably
2: in there for over a year, I suspect. Okay. Yeah. And what it. Does it still top out at like six or does it go.
1: That it finished. Just, that finished. Uh, that was a higher alcohol just because it was completely dry. Okay. Um, but. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I should, but I don't. Okay, that's fine.
2: (laughs) We can go research that. (laughs) Anyway. Well, I know you guys have more things to do today. I don't want to keep you from it. But uh, I really do appreciate you sitting down with us. Mike, you got any final questions? Doing a great job. He can't even hear. He didn't. I'm sure he was He didn't. No register. Uh, He doesn't have headphones. No questions. Probably can't hear. No. No questions? My question, have you thought about what you're going to have for lunch? We're going to eat here. Look at a menu. What do y'all recommend? It is all delicious. It is all delicious. On a Thursday, when good. the weather's not winter like. Oh, speaking of winter, when is uh, Winter IPA coming out? I don't love that beer. Don't we know. just packaged it yesterday. Ah, I love that beer. I, I took a
0: six pack home, fresh off the line. Yeah, <laughs> that
2: beer is so good. Like, it is. Especially if it gets a little crispy outside. It's like the perfect, slightly crispy kind of, yeah. Yeah, grapefruit, I love grapefruit, grapefruit yeah. hops, yeah. It's yeah, good stuff. It's, it's good. Love that beer.
0: Yeah, Love it. Pizza here is delicious. Mm-hmm. The dough is so wonderful. And the grilled chicken sandwich. Everybody lo- loves the burger. A good, yeah. a, a grilled chicken sandwich, that, that's in my heavy rotation. Okay. We actually have salads that are really tasty, too. I could probably for, use that. I mean, some people eat salads. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I respect salads. I should probably eat more of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> 2022. Let's look forward. What are, what are people... Expecting as they look back, years from now, I mean, as we look forward to 2022, because this is like a audio-video time capsule. Assuming the internet doesn't go away at some point, but 2022, Saint Arnold, looking forward.
1: We have a we will be launching a new beer in January. Uh, we, it's Hideaway. It was um, kind of a margarita-inspired beer. Um, we use a you know traditional Berliner Weiss kind of style metho- method of souring. So we use Similar to what we did with Boiler Room and, and uh, Raspberry AF, where we, uh, you know, produce wort, we inoculate with lactobacillus, uh, acidifies, lowers the pH. Um, we do, and then we bring it back to the kettle to boil. We add salt. We add a little bit of El Dorado hops, which kind of add a really cool orange citrus character, um, and then also lime peel and lime powder. Okay. So it'll right at five percent alcohol, and it's in the tanks right now actually. Okay. So it's like
0: halfway between a a uh, goza and a dressed beer. Mm. Okay, so nice and refreshing. Yeah,
2: yeah. When it gets warm in mid February, that'll be a <laughs> that'll <laughs> definitely. Yeah. that's good. Okay, so something to look forward to. And is that so? That's going to be is that is going that's a is that like a seasonal or is that going to be? I'll be year round beer. Year round. Yep. Awesome. Okay. I love it that the year rounds. Come out new year rounds, all that kind of stuff. You'll, you'll never, you'll have never rested on your laurels. It's real, there's always something new, it's something I've always respected. It's just, you know, you Keep analyze, moving. Yeah, it's great. It's and fun. It, yeah, it is, developing yeah. beers
0: is it's fun. fun. Well,
2: <laughs> trying the beers that you develop is fun too. <laughs> so we're all winners here. All right, well, 2022 looking promising. 2021, do you have a favorite memory from 2021? Oh. <laughs> Or something notable, or yeah. anything? Do you remember anything? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, drink drinking a lot of H Town pills and and adding the
2: slow pour. Yeah, I think That's that was good. Yeah. Okay, it is fantastic. I'm gonna have another one of those. Those are great. That <laughs> is that is. You need to come here. Come here, come here, and try this. The slow slow pour H Town pills. Uh, the ours are gone, so we'll get more. <laughs> so come here and do it. All right. Well, I'll let y'all get back to doing the Lord's work and uh we'll wrap here and then we'll we'll come back and do this again soon it's uh uh for interbrews for 2022 we're gonna be doing a lot more episodes great so all good live streams all that kind of stuff so uh we'll be back if y'all have us of course soonish. love to cool all right so uh, we'll wrap there so for uh yeah don't hit it yet for aaron brewmaster aaron brock for td mike for kate i'm josh thanks for watching and listening this is interbrews this is Inter-Bruz. The preceding has been a presentation of Stewed Productions.